So here's a question for you. Have you got a social media policy within your company or organisation? Over 50% of Irish companies don't have any form of a social media policy. And of those that do, their social media policy is ineffective, out of date or simply not enforced. And what's so important about having a social media policy? And the employee got an award of, I think it was around 18 grand, but they got an award that they really shouldn't have got if they, if the company had been, been in the position to show that they were, very, they were very much aware of the policy and that they got regular uh, training in it. And that's for a lot of policies this occurs, but no more so than in social media. Coming up on the HR Locker podcast. Yes, welcome along to the first ever episode of the HR Locker podcast where we discuss anything and everything HR. So in this episode of the HR Locker podcast, we're discussing social media, specifically social media policies, why you should have one, if you don't have one, the risks that you run, and even if you do have one and it's not enforced properly, you run the risk of getting yourself into some litigious deep water. I'm your host, Aaron O'Connor, and today we're joined by an expert in the field. My name is Anne O'Connell, and I'm a partner, employment law partner in Sherwin O'Riordan Solicitors. When I first asked Anne to come on the podcast to talk about social media policies, my first reaction was, how do you control employees from spending too much time on social media? How do you control it? How do you enforce it? And so on and so forth. But boy, did I get it wrong. As social media starts to become a part of our lives and is a valid form of communication for a lot of people, it opens up a new world of issues that need to be dealt with within HR. And it's something that I didn't think about. The world of cyberbullying, defamation, and even releasing sensitive information that the company does not want made public yet that could be detrimental to the organisation. Anne sees dozens of these cases every year. And for the most part, the employees win because they don't have an adequate social media policy. And even an internet policy isn't quite good enough, says Anne. Most companies may have an internet policy, but it doesn't go far enough to deal with social media use. Um, and, and that's a big downfall. And why isn't an internet policy good enough? Because um, employees could and, and regularly do have their own smartphone or, or they would be using their own device um, and companies would use a bring-your-own device uh, system. And they, so they're not using the company's internet. Um, they're using it from their own device and the policy doesn't cover that so they're not in breach of any workplace policies by accessing the internet through their own device. Also an internet policy doesn't actually specify the do's and don'ts and doesn't uh, encompass what the do's and don'ts that it that uh, it covers like the internet access would usually only cover policy would usually only cover working hours when a social media policy should cover beyond the working hours but surely what happens on personal social media outside of office working hours has nothing to do with the company the company doesn't control that individual outside of office working hours but that's not true says Anne. the company can be held liable for grievous acts done on a personal basis outside of these working hours 
because if it wasn't for the company itself, they'd never know each other. Well, there's a number, there's a number of different abuses of social media and the company will regularly be, will, could well be held vicariously liable for that abuse. So one of the big things that happens is where one colleague abuses or um, defames or harasses another employee on the social media. So any policy should, the scope should not just be work, but it should apply to personal and professional use, um, and not just on work devices, but also on personal devices, and that it covers activities inside and outside working hours. So that it also, another uh, abuse of social media that would apply for, that companies should be aware of, employers should be aware of, is where an employee could post something that's very confidential and that is not yet in the public domain. And so if that's not covered in a policy, well, then they haven't breached anything. So now they may have breached the confidentiality clause in their contract, but if it hasn't been said that um, they can't post anything, you know, you can't then, it's very hard to discipline them. And depending on the wording of the confidentiality clause in a contract, but you can't discipline them in relation to social media abuse. I'm sure you've experienced this at some point. But when all is good between a relationship between a boss and an employee, um, things can slip by the wayside. You know, uh, that contract that needed to be signed, that policy that needed to be agreed upon, uh, remuneration. When all is rosy, these things have a habit of slipping by the wayside but they come to the front then when relationships start to break down, communication starts to break down. Other things that employers don't tend to think about until the employment relationship is actually breaking down or has broken down is ownership of contacts as well. And if that's not set out at the start of the employment relationship when things are great and everything's rosy, then you can't just suddenly very difficult to then suddenly look for ownership of LinkedIn contacts or even the account itself. Um, so it needs to be set out and advising their employees to keep their social, personal social media separate to their professional social media. Uh, and therefore it's easier then and to make sure that they're aware that any contacts that they have in their LinkedIn account need to be deleted at the time of determination. And there needs to be consent in relation to the there's data protection issues um, as well in relation to screening or to be able to check that they have so deleted these contacts. I asked Anne if she knew any practical examples she could give where the courts would have had to enforce the deletion of LinkedIn contacts. Yeah, and um, it, it is. There was an actual specific case um, where... Um, where the courts were asked to uh, delete the LinkedIn or to have access to all the LinkedIn contacts of an individual that left. And um, the court didn't go as far as ordering ordering that, um, uh, that, that they could have the LinkedIn account itself. But what they did order is that um, they could look into the contents and any business that was taken from um, the contacts that they got from their employer, uh, they had to declare them. 
that the the profits that they earned and they needed to delete those contacts because they, it was deemed that those contacts specifically were owned by their previous employer. Coming up in part two of the HR Locker podcast, we discuss how you can go about protecting yourself against such an opening to litigation. But right now, a quick word from our sponsor. And our sponsor is HRLocker.com. HRLocker is a piece of cloud-based HR software. If your employees need to ask for a holiday via email so that you can fill in an Excel sheet, then you need to get yourself onto a trial of HRLocker. But rather than me going on about HRLocker, let's hear from one of our happy customers. I caught up with Denny, a HR director from a company called Apex Funds in Cork. We are a small multinational and we have several offices across several jurisdictions and with that came some issues with regard to consolidating all of the policies and procedures across the group that apply to the group or local jurisdictions. And so what HR Locker did is it facilitated the consolidation of the sign-off, whether it be physical, scanned, or digital through HR Locker, because we could either have someone sign off on a document and then upload it onto HR Locker, or what has ultimately transpired is that rather than doing that, we've transitioned very far away from that now, and we use the facility on HR Locker, whereby we upload all of our documents and have everybody sign off digitally, and then we can just simply print a report to satisfy our group global heads to ensure that people have received and acknowledged and signed off on all of the policy and procedural documents across the group and it's really made a huge difference. If you'd like to make a huge difference to your HR and your company, head over to hrlocker.com and sign up for a 30-day free trial. And now back to the show. How do we go about protecting ourselves? How do we go get a social media policy? Here's Anne. Well, they should draft up or contact uh, their solicitor to do a, a, a detailed social media policy. And they should then um, distribute it to all the employees and, um, have, and, and get the employees to sign that they've read it and that they understand it. And I'd also then have a training course or whether it's um, depending on the size of the company, whether it's training courses or whether it's even an online uh, training course, and they have to take that they've that they've done that course, and um, and that and then that um, when they take that that's printed that they've done the course that's kept on each of their personnel files, and you regularly review the policy because with uh, social media is always changing and the case law is trying to is behind it but but the standards will change so you need to keep social media policy keep reviewing it and i would do regular like annual training for each of the employees and every time you've a new employee make sure that they do the same for the social media policy and what should we include in a social media policy we need to include a number of of areas you need to include as i said earlier um, um specify the scope uh that the policy applies that it's not just during working hours 
um, you also need um, to set out realistic limits. There's no point in saying that you just ban social media because a lot of jobs, you know, a lot of positions require access to social media. And even if it doesn't require access to social media, there's still a, like banking or booking holidays or uh, booking certain appointments is done online. So the more realistic approach is possibly to limit the times on which they do, um, they can access social media for personal use. And uh, usually it's a lunch period. And some companies can actually put a ban on, can limit sites on their actual server, but that's useless for employees' own devices. But it's still a preventative thing, but it should be on the policy that access, not just from the company's devices, but also from the personal devices needs to be only during a limited time. So then you're getting into productivity and looking at, you know, if productivity, if they're doing this and it affects their productivity, then that can be dealt with um, through through the disciplinary process and if they breach it it needs to be connected to the disciplinary process also the policy should have reference to um other policies such as including disciplinary they should have reference to bullying and harassment policy the equality policy the email and internet and the data protection policy and also there needs to be ensure that there's an actual proper consent um to uh, access or to screening an employee's um, internet usage because uh, the data protection commissioner's view is that if you're actually the consent is in the contract and they sign it they give that consent in order to get the job that not, that's not necessarily proper consent it needs to be pointed out to the employee specifically to be able to say that it's proper consent um, and just to drive it home, the reality of not having a social media policy, or even worse, having an ironclad social media policy that is not properly introduced to employees, that they're made aware of it and that you provide training for it and keep the social media policy up to date. I asked Anne for some specific examples of where a social media policy has either been let down or it's been not been present or it has not been acted on appropriately. Yeah, I mean there was there was a, there's been a few cases um and um one um well one now a number of years ago uh, involving Aware and that's exactly what happened it was actually a customer brought it, brought the post uh, their marks that were on social media to the management's attention and uh, the employee had a clean disciplinary record at that time but was dismissed for gross misconduct but the employment appeals tribunals held that the sanction was disproportionate to the offence um, because the employer was not named, but obviously was identifiable if a customer was able to come and identify the company. But then um, a couple of years after that case, um, the employment appeals tribunal held that due to there was disparaging remarks on Facebook um, about um, Pacific manager and director and was named as well as a company and that person was dismissed but the employee appeal should be held at um, because the posts were personally offensive to one of the directors in particular and breach of the trust was so significant that um, the position was untenable and the dismissal was held to be fair. 
Now, um, there's been a few other cases and a case there last in 2013 where the Employment Appeals Tribunal held that regardless of the fact that there was a social media policy um, that they awarded the, empl- the employee breached it and was very careless in the use of the social me- networking site. But um, it was sort of based on it was sort of based on some facts in that the company weren't able to actually have the person that carried out the disciplinary procedure at the Employment Appeals Tribunal hearing. But nevertheless, the EAT said that because they weren't able to show that. Uh, the company weren't able to show that they had um, informed the employee of the social the social media policy that they'd actually the employee had read it, had understood it, had been given a copy of the policy. That um, the employee, although they agreed that the employee did breach it and did contribute to her own dismissal, they awarded eighteen thousand euros to the employee because of the failure of the company to take that extra step in relation to implementing their policy. And that is it for this first episode of the HR Locker podcast. I want to thank Anne for coming on the podcast and offering up so much value. If you got something of value out of it, please go ahead and give us a rating and review in either iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The podcast is available in both of those directories. Just search for HR Locker, no space between HR and Locker. And does give another example of another company who lost their court case against an employee who also had a social media policy. If you want to hear that um, and any of the other show notes that are represented with the show, Head over to the show notes, which are at hrlocker.com forward slash episode 001. That's hrlocker.com forward slash episode 001. If you have any questions or any comments for this show, go ahead and leave them in the show notes at the bottom of the page. I'm Darren O'Connor, and it has been a pleasure making this podcast for you. See you next time. Bye-bye.